We had a great time at Summit, man. I saw, you heard some of the testimonies. I saw the lives of men and sons change and transform. And, you know, you've heard me say it so many times. I really believe that men are created to change an atmosphere, but the atmosphere inside has to change so that we can reflect the right atmosphere outside. Amen? And, and this morning, um, we've got a, a guest, our guest speaker for the camp, and he, he did such an amazing job up there, uh, up at camp, uh, is Pastor Nate Swanson from uh, New City in Great Falls, Montana, New City Church. And we're going to welcome he and his beautiful wife, Rachel, up to the platform so they can give him a shout out. Would you put your hands together? I have short legs, so that was a long step. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm Rachel, not Nate. <laughs> um, but we are so blessed to be here with you guys. Um, we love the church. Like, just, I'm so grateful for the church. And um, last night we were eating dinner with the Ecklands, and I was just overwhelmed with love for the church in general as they shared stories about many of you and their love. Um, and affection for all of you. And um, the gift that God's given us in the church is just so incredible. There's so many people that just don't have what we have within these four walls, how we have this just love for each other and moms and dads that speak into our lives and cheer us on and help us parent our children and help us love each other well and walk through us, walk with us through hard times. And um, I just was encouraged uh, as I went to bed last night, just listening to the stories your pastors were sharing about all of you and how the love that's in this room, and I know it, it goes beyond this room, but the love that's in this room, I hope that you don't take it for granted because it's really, truly a gift. It's really a special thing. God gave us the church as such a gift in our lives, and I hope you take advantage of that. Ask for direction. Ask for counsel. Get help parenting your kids because it's not easy. Be humble enough to say, I don't think I'm doing this well. Get help. Do you know how many people in our church have said to me, hey, you might want to spank that kid for that. <laughs> and I'm truly grateful. Our kids all stand up and serve the Lord and love the house of God and love the Lord with all their hearts. And I'm so grateful for that. If it were left up to just only me trying to do that on my own, I would have never been able to be successful at that. But because God gave us a church family to help walk through life with, um, we've been able to do a really great job. So can I encourage you, church, cling to the house of the Lord. Let, it's so, I, I'm not used to saying the house of the Lord. I mean it as the house of the Lord. It is your church name, which is awesome. I'm like, that is so great. Um, but truly cling to the house, like be a daughter and a son of the house and be a mother and a father of the house and help these young people do this well. And, and young people jump alongside older people and get advice and get help and do not take for granted what God's given you here in Idaho. This is a huge gift. Be a part. So um, I just wanted to read a scripture really quick. 
Isaiah 2 says, In the last days, the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem will become the most important place on earth. People from all over the world will go there to worship. So come on, don't neglect meeting together. Come to the house of the Lord. Invite your friends. Get your friends here. They need, we need the church. We need the family. So I'm excited for what Nate's going to speak with you all today. And um, so grateful to be with you guys. We're praying blessings upon you. She's pretty cute, right? Hi. Good, good. Uh, watch it, guys. All right, so, uh, yeah, I, I am so honored and privileged to be here. I don't want to reiterate everything that Rachel said for sake of time, but uh, I do want to say I loved just hearing over and over and over over the last couple of days uh, when we were watching guys from a distance and just talking about different scenarios, Pastor Jeff over and over and over just bragging about you and pointing this guy out and talking about he's faithful, he's gifted, he's smart. He's just, it was just so neat to hear his it was like a proud dad just bragging about his kids and hearing his love, that shepherd's heart is always really cool. I love that. Uh, and Pastor Robbie, like I woke up this morning to this angelic voice. We were sleeping in their basement and I could hear this angelic voice coming to us through the vents. I was like, no, it wasn't bad. My alarm woke me up, but then, uh, you know, your voice softened the blow. So it was... It was great, and, and, and I could hear, I could listen to Pastor Joel sing all day. There really is just an, an anointing on this house for worship. There really is an anointing for excellence and for leadership. You really are blessed to be a part of a great church. You know that, right? Do you love your pastors? Are you grateful for their leadership? Good. I loved hanging out with your men. That was, that was a really good time. Uh, I got to go back and challenge our guys to like up our game. Your men's retreat is just like, man, if you guys, if you didn't go, you got to go next year. All right. And uh, it, it was just really, really neat to watch men just hanging out and having a good time together, but encountering God and, uh, and doing it well. It just, it was, it was amazing. Like all kinds of gifts were being given, being given away. The, the, the food, the, the, the worship, everything was just excellent. Just excellent. So don't miss out on that. Um, hey, so I want to I want to dive into what I, uh, I, I I'm going to share today, but I want to first introduce you to my family. I do have a couple of them here. Actually, my son Elias is in the front row. He can, go ahead, stand up, give him a wave. There you go. And uh, by now, my seven-year-old Lolo is in the back. She's probably already taken over kids ministry today. So. Uh, this is the rest of our family. We have five children and an adorable golden doodle, right? Oh man, I got a softie for her. I was never a dog guy before her. And then I do want to point out, like we're all thinking it, so I'm just going to say it, okay? My son Isaac in the top right just looks weird, okay? He looks weird in this photo. I'm just telling you, he was going through a phase. He looks a lot better now. He's kind of in between growing out his hair. He's 20 years old. He's godly. He's available. And he looks better than that, okay? That's all I'm saying. All right. We were all thinking it. I had to make it clear. All right. So uh, we love our family. We really, really are just privileged with a great family, a great church family. So greetings to you from New City Church in the heart of Montana, Great Falls, Montana. All right. So I got, I got a question for you. As we, as we launch into this, I want to ask you, how many of you, if somebody were to give you, if, you, if somebody were to give you this treasure map, how many of you would immediately just like take a leave of absence, disappear for four or five months, and just like, okay, we're hunting it, baby. There's a few of you. There's a few of you. Most of us are like, 
I need more, I need more details, right? I need more. There's a few brave, there's four brave slash brave. We'll just stick with brave souls in here who would immediately take this and go. But, but a few questions would come to mind if somebody came to me and said, hey, let's go hunt treasure. First thing I'd, I'd, I'd probably ask, how reliable is the source, right? Who is the person giving me this map? Who is the, like, because if, if, if somebody comes to you and they're intelligent and they're, they're like, you know, they're an archaeologist or they're well studied in these fields they're, or they're very smart, capable, responsible people, then it's like, okay, I'm listening. But if you, if you, if you have this conversation with like, you know, the office idiot, you know, the guy, the guy wearing a tinfoil hat in the corner and, and he comes up to you with wide eyes like, come on, man. I'm going to. Let's do it. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, I think I, I think I hear my wife calling. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Right? How reliable is the source? Another question would come to mind is this: like, how accurate is the map? Even if the treasure it's pointing to is real, like, how accurate is this? Right? Is this the copy of a copy of a copy of a copy? Or what, what, what has time and debris stolen in the details of this map, right? So consider the source and then ask, like, how accurate is the map? Another question I would ask, like, before I just, like, leave all and spend my life savings to go and chase this down is, how difficult is the journey, Right? What kind of obstacles and what kind of opposition, what kind of enemies might I encounter? If this treasure is worth having, there might be some challenges along the way. You know what I'm talking about? By the way, some of you are, some of you are so good at doing church, you're already like, mm, amen, amen. I, I see where you're going. <laughs> and some of us are like, what is he talking? We're talking about a map. What are you not? Oh, no. The church people, you know who you are. You already know. It's like, oh, glory to God. Yeah, glory to God. We're like, we're still talking about a map. All right, so another question. Another question I would ask is, how great is the treasure? That, that may be more than anything else, more than the opposition involved, more than anything else. I would wonder, like, how great is the treasure? Because if the treasure is great enough, maybe it's worth the risk. Maybe it's worth the journey. Maybe it's worth the difficulty. How great is the treasure? This ties into what I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to, to share with you today. And it leads me to John chapter 8, verse 31. And these are the words of Christ. Jesus is speaking. And it says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples. So these people like him. They, they've got their, he's got their attention it's to the Jews who believed him. They're leaning in. They're wanting to hear more. But he's like, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't just be a crowd. Don't just be a fan following. If you really hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. And a disciple is what? Do you know? It's a follower, right? An intent follower of Christ. So he's like, if you hold to my teaching, if you really like regrip and, and get serious, then you're really my followers. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
And, and in, in a few different English versions of the Bible, I want to I read this phrase that says, if you hold to my teaching. Here's the way it's worded in a few different versions. If you hold to my teaching, if you remain faithful to my teachings, if you stick with this, living out what I tell you, and then if you abide in my word. Depending on the English version you read, a lot of times this is reworded in different ways. But it, it all centers around this idea. The, the, the original language this was written in was Greek. And in the original language, this word abide means to stay, to remain, to live, to dwell, to lodge in my word. And then a disciple, again, it's a follower, right? It's a person who's taken steps. He's moving. So I find it interesting. I I ask myself, like, how do you stay and how do you follow at the same time? Well, you know what comes to mind for me? We're going on a treasure hunt. Because you want to stay on the right course, but you got to keep moving forward, right? X marks the spot somewhere, but not where you're starting, right? Not where you're starting. This, this is not the end. This is just the beginning of the hunt. So I got to move, but I got to be careful about where I move. We're going on a treasure hunt. And it says this, Jesus said this. He said, he said, if you if you really hold to my teaching, if you really stay, if you abide, if you live in it, if you dwell in it, if you lodge in my teaching, then you really are my disciples. And in the following, you will know the truth. And he says, the truth will set you free. So let, let me ask you before we begin to break this down, like what is, what is freedom? And you don't have to say it out loud. Maybe, maybe you're not ready for that, but maybe, maybe begin to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal In your life right now, what does freedom look like? What would freedom in your life, in your heart, in your family, what would it look like? Let let me tell you what it would look like for me. I'll tell you a little bit about our situation. um, We're in the middle as a church of of a long building project. And it's stretched out longer than we thought it would. And it's costing more money than we thought it would. Everybody say COVID. And... And we're in this process, a long process, as we are building and and, earn, and raising money and spending a lot of money, we're also doing four weekend services because our building is maxed out. We actually have two facilities, kids in one, adults in the other, and, and we got four services every weekend. And in addition to all of that on the church side, my wife and I are, are near the end, we're not there yet, but we're near the end of a five-year remodel project on our house. So can I just say like, I'm tired. <laughs> right now, freedom to me, there, there are times, guys, when I just want to get lazy. I just want to like turn off my phone and skip about a, a month worth of meetings and just sleep. You know, I just want to get lazy. I want to unplug. For me, real freedom would be just like nourishing rest, right? What does freedom look like for you? What does freedom look like for you? For, for some of you, maybe you can relate to that. For, for others, maybe you just find yourself burdened with anxiety and concern. Maybe you've got a lot of decisions to make in a short amount of time. Maybe you're a business owner of just like leading your family, looking at your, your personal finances. And you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't get back to sleep because it's just like one thing after another comes to mind, issues that you know you don't yet have a solution for. Maybe it's an addiction issue. Maybe you've been fighting 
a craving in you that you're ashamed of. And you've been labeled by this, you've been limited by this. And freedom would just be like, if I could, if I could just not be known by that, not be, not be captive to that anymore. What does freedom look like in your life? Maybe it's something that, that to others doesn't look as sinister, but it's just like one of those spiritual things that you've been trying to rearrange for a while. Maybe there's a forgiveness issue. It's like you've just always been plagued by bitterness for something somebody did a long time ago and, and, and you feel like I should have gotten over it by now, but it's like I feel like I just can't. Maybe it's a competitive spirit. Maybe it's a critical spirit. Man, if you want to be one of those joyful, loving, encouraging people at church, but you just find it a lot easier to point out something that's wrong rather than something that's right. What would freedom look like for you? If you, could, if you could let go of something, what does freedom look like? Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. And you'll know the truth. In the following is the knowing. In the following is the learning. In the following is the acquiring, the acquiring of truth. And he says, when you get truth, you get freedom. There's actually a great scripture, Proverbs 23, 23. Do you remember this one? It says, buy the truth and don't sell it. It's such a simple phrase. In fact, I remember when I was young, I was like, All right, buy the truth, don't sell it. But examine that. What he's saying is like, buy the truth. No matter what the cost, no matter what the currency, buy the truth. If truth is up for grabs, go for it. If it's up for auction, bid high, buy the truth and don't sell it. No matter what the offer, no matter what the bribe, no matter what, no matter what, don't sell it. Buy the truth and don't sell it. Jesus said, when you get the truth, you get free. So no matter what is binding you and, 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 and hindering you in life right now, there is truth that can bring you freedom. Is that good news? That's really good news. That's really good news. I shared with, with uh, the, the men this weekend something I, I often remind our church of, is that there's somebody... It looks like you, but you're different. 20 years from now, there's another version of you. And you're not facing the same things you're facing today. You're not facing the same challenges and temptations and distractions. You're different. And it's the version of you that gets this. It's the version of you that says, I'm going to hold to his teaching. I'm going to buy the truth and I'm not going to sell it. And it might take a while, but I'm going to see freedom. Can I hear a big amen to that? Isn't it a gift from God that you don't have to stay the same? Isn't it a gift from God that you don't have to stay the same? All right, so let's do this. We're, we're going to break this down really simple. Three points on treasure hunting, all right? We're going on a treasure hunt. Who's with me? All right, all right. So number one, going on a treasure hunt, you want to embrace the Bible. It's a very fundamental message. You might be thinking, I know that one. I, I, I know that one. No, no, no. Check it out. Listen, will you do this? Will you just lean in today and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. I want to loosen my grip on what I think I know, and I want to I re-engage with the Bible. Embrace the Bible. Check this out. In, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's a familiar scripture. If you've, especially if you've been in church a while, you know this one, right? You got a tattoo. If you got tattoos, but you don't because you're Christians. <laughs> That's a lame church joke. All right, so 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, all scripture is inspired by God. Oh, doesn't that just sound good? All scripture is inspired by, there's one translation of this. It says, all scripture, do you remember? Is God breathed. 
right? I mean, you're one of those kind of churches, I know. You're one of those just like, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit moves, when he breathes with the wind blows, bring it on, God, right? Like, it's like, whoa! In case you're visiting today, yeah, it's one of those kind of churches. But, but you read a scripture like this, and that sounds good. It's like all scripture. It's inspired by God. It's God breathes. It's awesome. But then it says it's useful to teach us what's true, right? We want what's true. We want to buy the truth and not sell it. And it, and it makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That scripture starts off so cool. And then I don't know about you, but I'm reading it and it kind of takes a a hard left turn. It's like God breathed. The Holy Spirit inspired. The scripture was written. It's awesome. And then it points out where I'm wrong. I don't know about you, but like my favorite people to hang out with are not the people that are pointing out where I'm wrong. You know what I'm talking about? Like, do you just love it when you're at work, you're working on something and somebody's like peeking over your shoulder? You're doing that wrong. Oh, I thought, I thought that was, no, that's not the right way. Do you just love that person, right? I mean, I, I love Rachel's exhortation. We need one, one another's help in parenting. But isn't that a blast when somebody's like, really? Is that the way you're going to raise your kid? What are you feeding them? You know the time of day. Like, right? You know what I'm... You just love that person? Oh, you send your kid to that school. Well, that's a choice. That's one way to do it. All right. Right? Do you... I don't know about you, but my favorite people are not the people that are showing me where I'm wrong. Why? Why would we want to know where we're wrong? Well, I think I'd want to know where I'm wrong if there's a treasure that I might miss if I step off the right path, right? I mean, I mean, you look at the map and it's like, it's got, it's got some, some, some dots and some dashes that are saying which way I ought to go and which way I ought to step. And, and I think if I understand the treasure that I'm moving toward, I want to stay on the right path. And it wouldn't bother me so much if somebody was saying, hey, 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 whoa, you took a left and you should have taken a right. The map's upside down or you're dyslexic or something, but you're going to miss it, man. You're going to miss it if you don't go the right way. Embrace the Bible. Why? Because when you read the Word of God, when you read the Word of God and when you read it with humility and when you read it with hunger, when you read it with a desire to allow God to shape anything in you, here's what you won't do. You won't just stick to those familiar, comfy passages, but you'll be willing to lean into the ones that kind of hit hard and don't make sense. The kind of ones that our society isn't crazy excited about right now. The ones that say who I am and, and, and say who he is. You know, you, you ever, you, right, we've probably all done this to some degree, but we definitely know people that have had, they've, they've heard certain things about God and they'd say, well, a loving God would never do that. I'm thinking, well, man, he really would and he would do it in love and his word makes that clear. We got to embrace the Bible, not just our version of what we want the Bible to say, but I want to embrace the real, 
the real word of God, the reality of the Bible. I want to grapple with it, not just, not just settle for the, the version that my parents taught me or even that my pastor taught me. I want to learn from that. I want to receive that, I want to, but I want to examine that. And I want to go back one-on-one between me and Jesus in his word and say, what does it really say and what does it really mean? Especially, not just in spite of, but especially in those arenas where it, it kind of hits me between the eyes a little harder than I thought it was going to. I want to know where I'm wrong. And the way that I'm handling my finances, the way that I'm handling my kids, the way that I'm handling my forgiveness, my heart, right? I want to know where I'm wrong. All scriptures, God breathed, the Holy Spirit inspired so that you could be corrected, you could be trained, you could be prepared. Are you grateful for that? How about we're more and more a church It says, I'm going to go back to the word. And especially where it's hard to digest this truth, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to say, Jesus, I see it. Will you change me? Will you work in me? Let's embrace the Bible. Number two, let's trust the spirit. Let's trust the spirit. In John 16, 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. How amazing would it be if you were given the treasure map and you didn't just have like an assurance that the treasure was great and a map to guide you to get there. But check it out. How great would it be if you were accompanied on the journey by the one who drew the map? Right? You feel me on that one? That's what we've got in the Holy Spirit. He not only knows where the treasure is, he not only knows how to relay the information, but he's with you on the journey. He's with you. He wants, and and check it out, he's he's with you, not because he wants to lean over your shoulder and be like, ah, you're doing it wrong, right? Not because he wants to like spoil your fun and make you feel like an idiot and like turn the map upside down next time, champion, right? Like not because he wants to criticize and demean, but because, check it out, he wants you, he wants you to reach the treasure. He's like, oh man, you, oh, this is going to be so fun. Like, come on, we, all oh, there's, like, this is, okay, buckle up. This next section's kind of bumpy, but the, it's worth it. This adventure, it's worth it. And I'm with you, and I got this, and I've been there. Check it out. I've been there. I've buried it, right? Come on. That's what you've got in the Holy Spirit. He wants to guide you into all truth, right? I mean, th- think about this. Like, like dads. I mean, any, any dads here today? Happy Father's Day. Woo! As a dad, check it out. You're not, this is, this, this is not how you father, right? You don't like, if, if, if your kid is like going through life, you're not just like, I knew you'd mess up off to the woodshed with you, right? Like in case you're wondering, that's not how you father. Some of you are taking furious notes right now. That's a a really good point. This is how you father, right? It's like, you're just doing life together. It's off to the park. We're working on schoolwork after, you know, homework after school. And, and we're doing our chores and we're going to church. And then we're like doing family game night. In the middle of all, just, just loving life together. 
You're going to see at times an attitude. You're going to see a misstep. You're going to see something. And what you do then is you step in and you say, ooh, hey, that will address, right? You're not just like ready to, like sometimes I think we think the Holy Spirit is just like, <laughs> once I get a chance, if, he, if a little guy gives me a chance, I'm going to smack him, right? That's not how your father works. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. He's not looking at you with, at you with disgust and impatience, but he loves you. He's excited about the treasure that he's leading you toward. And he doesn't want you to miss it. So he's like, oh, hey, this way, that way. Go back to the word. We put that one in writing. That was an easy one. Like, like, go back to the Bible, right? But, but, but check it out. I'm going to nudge and I'm going to lead. He's going to guide you. And he does this so beautifully because he loves you. And he knows the route, but he knows you. And he, more than anyone else, knows in your life that thing he wants to work on. I explained it this way to the guys up at camp. Like if you were to go into the ER and, and you've got like a, a really bad case of laryngitis and you've got stage four liver cancer and then you've got a severed artery, artery that's just like spurting blood, right? <laughs> right? I mean, they're, they're probably going to eventually give you something for your, for your laryngitis and they're, obviously cancer is a big deal. But what they're going to pay attention to first, the first thing they're going to work on is the thing that's most life-threatening, right. right? So here's what the Holy Spirit will do, is he will work in our lives as he see fit, sees fit as a father, addressing the things that, check it out, check it out, that he is working on with you. Here's what he doesn't do. He never says, you're just, you're such a loser of a Christian, you know, like get it together, try harder. I'll check back in six months. He doesn't do that. And he also doesn't say, you know, here's, here's the 850 things that I would like to work in your life this year. You know, good luck with that. He doesn't do that. Here's what he says. He says, you know what? This thing, he gets real specific. This thing, this is the thing I want to work on. This is the thing and he doesn't say, you're a loser, you're, you're hopeless, you're, you're, you're just a bum. He says, man, I love you. You're my child. And because I love you, and because there's a treasure waiting for you, I don't want you to miss it. And this kind of this attitude, it's coming from a wrong understanding of who I am. This kind of attitude, it's coming from a wrong understanding of who that brother in Christ is. This kind of attitude, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bog you down. It's going to take you on a bad detour, and it's going to cost you freedom. It's going to cost you treasure. See, what he does is he works so graciously in your life. And you got to hear this. Trust the Spirit and trust your ability to hear him. You can hear him. My dad actually likes to say, a lot of people think they, don't hear, they, they can't hear the voice of God until he says something they don't want to hear. But listen to that voice because he's not saying it with condemnation. He's saying it with love. On the back side of your notes, like some of you are really nervous, you had notes today and you got two pages of notes. Believe me, we're not going to get to both pages. I included the whole backside just for you to look at on your own. It's out of Romans chapter seven and Romans chapter eight. And, and if I had, man, if I had one criticism for the people that added number, numbers to the Bible, when you, when you, you know, like when they wrote the Bible originally, the Holy Spirit didn't inspire the chapter breaks and the, and the verse numbers. Those were added later. And I'm grateful for those. They help us navigate the Bible. But, but there's a really frustrating break for me in the middle of Romans chapter seven and Romans chapter eight, 
Because Romans chapter 7, if you've been around church a while, you remember this one. It's the one where the Apostle Paul, this great church leader in the first century, he's writing, and he says, oh, wretch that I am. And this guy's like an amazing Christian. Oh, wretch that I am. The thing that I wish I could do, I can't do. Do you remember that? And he's like, the thing that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. You remember that? We read it and we're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. That's, that's me. I told him, Paul gets it. I get it. That's my life. But check it out. That's not your life. It's actually not you. See, when you read it in context, here's what Paul is doing. And I, if he could have verbalized a little bit different, it might be helpful to some Christians because he's writing from the standpoint of somebody who doesn't yet have the spirit of Christ. And he's saying, I read the perfect law and I'm drawn to its righteousness and I want to live righteously, but I can't because he has a sinful nature. And he says, like, I, it's like I so want to be righteous, but I can't do it. But he's not writing from the perspective of a person like you who has given your life to Christ and now with the spirit of Christ within you, he's writing from the standpoint of somebody who wants righteousness, but doesn't yet have the spirit. And he says at the end of the chapter, he's like, oh, 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 wretch that I am, who will rescue me? And then he gives the answer, I'm rescued by Jesus Christ. And then Romans chapter 8 goes into, I'm no longer under the curse of sin and under the, the law of sin and death, but I've been set free by that. And it goes on to say, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Check it out. you got the Spirit of Christ in you if you've given Him your life, if He's washed away your sin, if you've given Him authority. You have a new spirit in you. You have a new nature in you. You can hear the voice of the Spirit and you can follow. When He calls, you're able to follow. He's not going to tell you to follow when you're unable to. And so when He convicts and when He says, hey, this thing right here, that's what I'm working on, that's what we're working on. And that's what He's going to help you step forward in. Check it out. Don't, don't ever try to perform in Christianity because someone else besides the Holy Spirit wants you to change. So this is important because what he'll do, what he'll do is he will show you where he wants you to change. And in where he wants you to change, he'll give you a promise that he's helping you to change. He's doing the heavy lifting. Be guided by the Spirit, not a fear of man, not a, a, a not a, not the the, the mind games uh, mind games of comparison or competition or envy. Be guided by the Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit. Lastly, you want to continue the conversation. Continue the conversation. Here's what I love about like great treasure hunting movies. A couple that come to mind are like. You know, Indiana Jones. Yeah, okay. Any others? Any others come to mind? Goonies, good, good. I love you, the good men, all right? Well, Pirates of the Caribbean, there you go. Yeah, yeah, national treasure. Okay, so check it out. Here's what I love about these. There's always a central figure, right? It's like Indiana Jones, but what they don't tell you in the title is he's not going alone. He's always got like this, this buddy that he's got to check in with in Cairo and he understands the hieroglyphic whatever, blah, 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 right? And then he's got a few weirdos that are with him and this little kid who's like super annoying in part two. Skip that one. But, but check it out. Like, like there's always like this ragtag, you know, misfit band of, 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 of Molly crew kind of whatevers, right? 
And, and along the way, you're, it's like some of them have obvious skills. And you're like, yeah, yeah, we want them on the team. And then others, you're just like, this guy's an idiot. Like, why didn't we, like, why don't we just ditch him in the first 15 minutes? You know what I'm talking about? But then it's so cool because by the end of the movie, there's this weird twist where it's like the idiot, like, fumbles with the gun and shoots the bad guy. And then you're like, ah, the idiot shot the bad guy. Look at that. We're thrilled we got the idiot. You know what I'm talking Anybody know? This is... <laughs> Keep this in mind as I read this scripture out of Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Now it's a plural you. So if the apostle Paul, who wrote this in the first century, was from the southern United States, which he is not, but if he were, this is how he would have written it. He would have said, let the word of Christ dwell in all y'all. Because it's a plural you. It's all, it's not just one of you. Like, treasure the word of Christ within you, little saint. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, there's a conversation. Check this out. He says, let, let, let it dwell in all of you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Here's what he's saying is like, you as the church... You all have a piece of the Spirit of Christ. You all have Him within you. You all have the Word within you. And, and there's something so dynamic that happens when you share that with one another. There's an ongoing conversation, not just like a, a conversation over coffee, but it's like, it's like the expression of, of a life shared and an ongoing dialogue where we exchange, we exchange encouragement and correction and, and, and compassion and prayer. Here's what happens when, when a church goes beyond just like pop in for a Sunday morning service and pop out and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. No, no, no. Here's, here's what happens when, when we really get what we're called to and what we have. We, we understand truth. We get a better understanding of truth. We find freedom when together those who have obvious skills and the idiots get together and we pursue the treasure together. And here's what's beautiful about this is like, check it out. None of us are Indiana Jones. Jesus is the hero in the story. And by his grace in some awesome twist, here's what happens is like by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, they defeated the enemy unto death. Remember that? It's like in some crazy twist. The idiot shoots the bad guy at the end, right? And it's like, how cool that God included us in this tapestry, this beautiful tapestry of people that we would say in Montana, I don't know if you have this expression here, people in the church sometimes suck. <laughs> oh, that was the loudest amen of the morning. All right. <laughs> we'll have prayer at the end. You can come forward and get deliverance for that. All right. So, so check it out. Yeah. Sometimes church people suck. And like, I don't know who was, who was here years ago when, when House of the Lord went from one service to two Sunday morning services. A few of you, you're like, thank God for two services. Now I'm going to figure out what service that guy goes to and I'm going to go to the other service, right? It's the best thing about a bigger church, all right? So, no, no, no. Sometimes church people suck, though. If you ever get into a small group and start serving on a ministry team, it's like, oh, really? You, you, I've served in the nursery three weeks in a row. You were scheduled once this month, and you missed? 
God bless you, right? It's like, why is it? You go to a small group and that guy shows up for five weeks in a row, doesn't bring one snack. He eats all the others. He hogs all the airtime. He's always got the weird prayer requests or even worse, an unspoken. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, why that guy? He eats all the food. He never brings anything. He brings something once and it was horrible. Or like, don't bring any wood. Like, have you ever been in small group? By the way, unspoken prayer requests, just keep them to yourself. Just like, because we're just not sure. Do you, do you want prayer or attention? You're like, are you just... If, if you're new here, the pastor here is so much nicer than me. He would never say that. Keep them coming. Unspoken prayer requests. We love them too. Like God hears everyone. But sometimes Christians are tough. Church people are tough. Sometimes it's like, right, everybody else is applauding this guy who's like serving so generously. And you're like, I don't trust his motives, right? Or sometimes you're serving with gratitude and generosity and you just love to be privileged with a place in God's family. And everybody seems to see that and appreciate that except for that one guy who won't trust your motives, See, I got both of them in the story. Did you see what I did there? Sometimes church people are really hard to get along with. But you know what's so cool about this? Is they've got the spirit within them. If they know Christ, right? They've got the spirit within them. That means they have something worth offering. They have a different perspective. They have a different personality. They have a different, they took a different journey to get to here. Sometimes I really wish I could be the Holy Spirit in their life and telling them as they come into triage what they ought to work on next. Let's not be that kind of church. Let's recognize we're all going at a different pace. We're taking different steps. We're taking a different route because when we start to change just for the whims and the preferences of others, listen, that's religion. It's not relationship with the Holy Spirit. So let's be gracious with the people. Why? Because some people will, will, will look different. They'll dress different. They'll smell different. They'll vote different than you. You know why that's so good? Because it's a reminder, it's a constant reminder in a place like this that the grace of Christ is extended to anyone. And it's a reminder that I'm a recipient of the grace that I could never earn or deserve. But don't just endure people. Let's value, let's learn to value. Let's not settle for the kind of Christianity where we just endure people. Where we attend a different service and we just like settle for small talk. But let's engage there's something like 36 scriptures through the New Testament, the one another scriptures. They're like, lay, lay down your lives for one another, submit to one another, offer hospitality with one another, and, and, and be willing to associate with other people of, of low reputation. Do you remember all those? There's like 36 of them. Look them up if you struggle in this arena. It's, it's, it's a broadcast over and over and over through the Bible that says this connection between just me and Jesus, it won't work if I actually want to live according to the truth. Over and over and over, the life together, the ongoing conversation, the interaction of imperfect people, some with obvious skill, and some that might look more like the idiot who at the end 
actually shoots the bad guy. Come on, this is what we're invited into. An amazing tapestry of God's grace working in very, very different lives. Let's not make him do it in spite of us. Let's let him do it along with us, celebrating our differences, our uniqueness, celebrating the fact that someone else is getting convicted. Maybe they'll get convicted in 10 years about something that God's convicting me about now. Let's let that be between them and Jesus. Do we speak up? Do we help? Absolutely. But with what motive? With what heart? To say, you're doing it wrong. Or to say, oh man, don't miss out on the treasure. Don't miss out on the treasure. Continue the conversation. You know, I've actually been a little bit misleading in this message about the treasure. Because the treasure is actually more than just freedom. The treasure is Jesus himself. In John 14, 6, he said this. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So whether you're opening your Bible in the middle of a mundane Bible reading plan, whether you're, you're slowing down to just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, or you're showing up to to lead a small group. Some of you, you've been going to a lot of small groups. Maybe it's time to lead one. Maybe it's time to stretch out. Maybe it's time to do something new. Maybe you've been in a group for a long time. It's so comfy there, but maybe it's time to stretch out. Get out of the ruts of your normal church journey. But no matter what you're doing, opening the Bible, speaking to the Spirit, listening to Him, or continuing the conversation with your church family, here's here's the prayer that I hope is in your heart. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I want you. More than rest, more than a break, more than a a long building program to get done, a, a home remodel, more than all of that to be done. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. No, I believe this. I believe there's wisdom in the church. I believe there's resource in the church. I believe there's answers in the church. I believe there's there's compassion and there's there's breakthrough, there's anointing in the church. But go back to that first question I asked you. What does freedom look like for you? doesn't look like an answered prayer. It really doesn't. It's an available Father through Jesus Christ himself. We start praying for answers, but here's what we ultimately, this is what we want to pray for. We want to pray for a Father. God, I want a Father. I want you. I want you. I want you. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Come on, let's be that kind of church. Let's be that kind of church in that relationship you will find freedom. Maybe not the freedom you want right now, but the freedom he wants for you right now. Will you stand to your feet with me? I want to pray for us with that in mind. Lord Jesus, I'm just so grateful man, for your grace in my life grateful for the freedom that I've found in you. God, I'm grateful that I'm I'm so, so, so different. So different than who I was 20 years ago. God, I'm so grateful. It's your truth, holding on to your truth, abiding in your truth, leaning into your word, yielding to your spirit, engaging in the conversation of the saints. That's That has led me to freedom. God, I'm grateful for that. Are you grateful for that? 
you want more of that, if you're desperate for more of that, we just stretch your arms out to heaven. And then just above a whisper, at least loud enough so you can hear that prayer, will you begin to just pray to him and say, God, I, I want you. I want your truth. I want to see your face. I need freedom. Begin to just tell him in your own words, God, I want to surrender. I want to engage in your word like never before. Father, I want to yield to your spirit. I want to listen and trust your spirit. I want to give my part in the church. I want to receive it from others. Just tell him in your own words. Express that to him. It's a commitment to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray your grace for your people, your truth, your freedom. In Jesus' name. If you're a Christian in this place, you can put your hands down. And will you just pray with me for those here who don't yet know Christ? If you're here in this room and you're distant from God, you know it more than I do. Man, don't stay there. Don't stay there. Come home to his grace. None of us could ever earn this. Man, we're all, we're nothing without him. We can't earn his grace. We can't earn his love, but we don't have to. Will you come to his grace? He's the only one that can forgive you of your sin. Man, you, you just know. You, it's like you know you need a spiritual bath. You feel guilty, feel limited. Come to his grace. He's the only one that can forgive you because he's the only one that died on a cross to pay for the penalty of your sin. Come back to his grace. He's the only one that can lead your life. You, you're, you're wondering about your road ahead. Don't wonder. Give it to him. He's the only one that deserves to have authority of your life because he's the only one that came out of the grave. After being fully dead, he came out of the grave and he opened up for you the doorway to life.